welcome back to the What The Folk podcast in association with Viper Goalkeeping. Today's show is one of those Sunday specials which seem to be more and more frequent on this podcast, but hopefully none of you are complaining. As you may have guessed from the title, in this episode we do survey Sunderland's confirmed January signings that we made over the weekend. First and foremost we have Jake Wilkins who we brought in on loan from Southampton and of course Jordan Jones, former Middlesbrough youth team player and current Rangers player who we also brought in on loan over the weekend from Rangers. Whilst we also do look at a potential third signing in the shape of Ross County hotshot, Ross Stewart. The episode is split into three parts. In part one, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by The Athletic's Dan Sheldon. Dan is Southampton correspondent for The Athletic, and he gives us a lowdown on what he expects from Jake over the next six months on Wearside, what kind of personality he is, what kind of player he is, where his strengths are, and also where his weaknesses are, but most importantly, how Jake Wilkins can benefit Sunderland Association Football Club. Part two sees me joined by Highland Football League's Ian, Ian gives his opinion on Ross County's Ross Stewart, a striker who is really highly rated, and he gives us his opinion on if he thinks the 24-year-old represents good value for Sunderland. What kind of striker is he? Is he a target man? Can he play off the shoulder? What can he add to Sunderland? And what is his thoughts on the move as a whole? Finally, part three covers Jordan Jones' loan signing from Rangers. That's a signing I think many of us have been excited by, and I'm joined by Willie from This Is Ibrox, who lets us know all about the pros and the cons of the Northern Ireland National, maybe why it hasn't worked out with Rangers, and what qualities he thinks he can bring to Lee Johnson's side. As always, if you do enjoy the episode, you can subscribe via Spotify, YouTube, Podbean, Apple Podcast. If you want to also just follow us on Twitter, you can do. That's at WhatTheForkPod. But as always, thanks for listening. If you feel like sharing the episode, you certainly can. Most importantly, enjoy today's episode. This is how I do it, not the DJ, is you've got to try and build people up and you've got to try and get the, the atmosphere building through, through your track. So to discuss Sunderland's new loan signing, Jake Wilkins, I'm delighted to be joined by the Athletic Southampton correspondent, Dan Sheldon. Dan, firstly, how are you? Yes, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad, thank you. Uh, more happy than you, as you've just described, a, a last-minute goal going in. So, <laughs> Yeah, very true. I mean, obviously, Southampton, as we speak, haven't kicked off as yet, so you might be as sad as me, but fingers crossed you won't be. Um, but I'm getting by, I'm getting by. But we didn't actually see uh, Jake Corbin today. He was on the bench. Um, I think naturally that sometimes happens with a new signing. But we'll get sort of straight to it. He, he hasn't played an awful lot for the first team. I think he's played about three to four games. But from what you've seen of him, what have you made of him in the Saints first team? Well, I think from you know, from what I have seen, I think he going forward, he's a threat. Uh, he's, not, he's not the biggest player. He's not exactly physically strong or anything like that but he he's quite nimble quite quick um he's got a pretty good cross on him uh in the in the game he played against Shrewsbury he took a couple of corners and it's not like James Ward-Prowse to, to give up corners easily so he has got a good a good delivery on him um which will obviously benefit Sunderland if they kind of play that way and look for the wingers out wide um so that that's been the most impressive thing from what I've seen of Jake is the ability he has got going forward um for to go into League One, I think I think he should be able to make an impact. Obviously, to do that in the Premier League, it's quite difficult because you're coming up against some of the best the best right backs uh, in Europe. Now, that's not saying that the defending in League One is poor, but it's maybe not at the level of the Premier League. So, I think it's it's a place where I think Sunderland fans will probably see him 
attack quite well and they'll be quite impressed by how he does that in the final third um and then of course the main job is there is is the defending side of things which i'm sure we'll get to yeah i'm going to see a lot of the um a lot of the reaction that i've seen from southampton fans is that he is very very good going forward but i think it's the way the game's changed isn't it fullbacks are effectively wingers it's not like back in the day where your fullback was about stopping the winger it's about being the secondary winger in a way is he very much in in that mold and a, a modern day fullback shall we say well, I think it was interesting because I spoke to Ralph Hasen, who saw Southampton's manager about Jake, maybe 10, 10 days ago. And he described him as more of a winger than a, than a fullback. And the way Southampton play, you kind of, that fullback role is, a, is really demanding. As you've mentioned, it, it's a position that's evolved in, in, the years that it, in the years gone by. You've got to be up and down the pitch. Um, but in terms of the way Southampton do, you have to be so disciplined as well. And you have to know your like positioning is, is so crucial to, to the way Ralph plays. Um, and, and we're going to get onto it, but that's one of the reasons why perhaps I think Jake has maybe gone out on loan to get that experience. But yeah, I mean, Southampton certainly put an emphasis on their, their fullbacks getting forward and being a threat in that final third. But at the same time, they need to know when they can do that and when they can come back and it's a very complex system Ralph's running down there so yeah and obviously it's it's working at the moment obviously they're doing very very well and it's a club that Sunderland probably hope to emulate and based on where they've come from and where they are and I think the academy's played a big part in that which is probably why the signing of a player that I've heard of beforehand not just a kind of punt on a young player is probably quite exciting for us and I'm a little bit disappointed we didn't get to see him um he only played last week, which I found quite surprising. Uh, he came up against probably one of the best gym players in the Premier League at the moment, Bukayo Saka. I did see that he came off, um, but in hindsight and looking at the game and the fact that you know, you're coming up against an inform Arsenal team, how did he actually do? First things first, um, it's probably worth pointing out that him getting subbed off in the 67th minute and then leaving a couple of days later, that's that that performance against Arsenal had absolutely nothing to do with it. Good. Southampton wanted him to to go and get game time. It's important to say that. Um, coming in against Arsenal was always going to be tough. You've mentioned Saka. Uh, they also have Smith Rowe, who's playing well at the moment. Um, yeah. So, it, you, I mean, he wasn't very good. I mean, if I'm being bluntly honest, he wasn't great against Arsenal. But mm-hmm. this was his like well, this was his first Premier League game of the season. Yeah. So, and you're coming in, and you're coming up against that. That, that attack, no matter how poor Arsenal may have been this season, they've still got some good individual players. Um, and he was just out of his depth. That, that's the, 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 the most bluntest way to put it, is he was just out of his depth. But, that, but that's not a problem. Um, yeah, Ryan Bertrand, Southampton's normal left-back, is very experienced, very good. He's got 10, 12 years on Jake Vokins of yeah. Premier League experience. Jake hasn't got that. Jake has got you know, four games four yeah. games and maybe not all of them 90 minute games at first team level so it would be harsh to judge him too much on that Arsenal performance but in in spaces he was quite good so going forward he he's a threat but in defence he just got ruthlessly exposed by by Saka and, and co I think the interesting thing is obviously you've touched on Arsenal we're going from Arsenal to Accrington effectively is what he's going to be doing um, no disrespect to Accrington which is the first name I could think of with an A in the name Um <laughs> When you're looking at the game against Shrewsbury, I do a preview show every week, previewing Sunderland games and, and Shrewsbury's first game back after their COVID outbreak was against um, Southampton. So we 
focused an awful lot on that. And I said, it looked like Southampton had a few young players in, but how did he do? They've got a good youth system. And the first name that came out was Jake's name. He said, you know what, that, that kid's really good. He could push on. I wouldn't mind seeing him in a championship team or something like that. So if we're taking away the fact that he's playing against probably the best right, best young right English right winger in the league at the moment, look at the Shrewsbury game. Could you see why maybe a move to a League One club based on his performance in that game is the perfect move from at the moment then? 100%. I honestly think going to Sunderland until the end of the season will do him the absolute world of good. Um, Southampton's academy is, you know, it's very glamorous. It's very nice. It's all lovely, all lovely, lovely. And um, they, they develop good footballers. And then, but what these footballers, they need to get out on loan, I, I think. Um, and experience like kind of real football. And I kind of put that in quotation marks because the Premier League is all very pampered and it's very good play. You know, these players get everything, but he's going to be going to Sunderland now and he's going to be going to some some grounds and they're the, 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 the facilities he's going to be in the changing rooms, it will just have a completely different feel to, to yeah. what he's used to. So I honestly think Sunderland fans will see maybe not the best of Jake Vokins because I don't think he's anywhere near the best of Jake Vokins yet because he's still so young, but they are going to see a lot more than what Southampton fans saw from Jake, I think, because it's just, he's dropping down a couple of levels. He's going to be playing, hopefully he's going to be playing kind of week in, week out, or a lot more regularly than he was at Southampton. And that's going to breed confidence. The more games he plays, the more confident he's going to get. And that is only going to benefit Sunderland. It's only going to benefit Southampton when he comes back. Um, and we saw on the Shrewsbury game, you mentioned that, and he was so much more effective against Shrewsbury. Um Okay, Shrewsbury hadn't played since December. They were coming off the back of a number of positive COVID, COVID tests, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And as I said, in that game, Prowse was happy to give him a few of the set pieces. I think Jake must have been feeling good in the way he was playing. He, as always, he looked dangerous going forward, putting some dangerous crosses. So if he can replicate that for Sunderland, you know, from now until May or June or whenever, then it's going to be brilliant for Southampton, but even better for Sunderland. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we hope so. Um, one question I probably didn't plan on asking, but um, Southampton as a club have notoriously put players out on loan. They're one of the clubs that do do that. I know some Premier League clubs don't like to do that and like to keep them within the academy, within the mindset that they have. But I suppose at the same time, when Southampton are loaning players out, they will look at the club that they're going to. Be, every club does that. Uh, look at the manager that he's going to as well. Do you think it's quite a big compliment that sort of the move to Sunderland and a new manager and Lee Johnson it's quite a big compliment that Southampton actually trusts Sunderland and, and Lee Johnson, the manager of Blossom, one of their, probably one of their top young talents at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Um, I remember I interviewed Matt Crocker, Southampton's director of football operations in November. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that we won't, we don't really want to send players out on loan because we want to develop them in our B team, but it gets to a point where perhaps these players do need to go out on loan to really kind of push on to that next level. Uh, Jake Vokens is probably too good to be playing at Premier League two level in the B team. So, and then it's where he's stuck in that limbo there. He's not quite ready to be in Southampton's first team yet. And he's probably a little bit too good to be playing for the B team. So what do you do with him? Do you just stick him on the bench every week? And that's really, he's not going to get any better by doing that. So to send him to Sunderland, and I'm sure there would have been other clubs yeah. uh, interested in Jake. It's, I'm not a Southampton fan, but I know that their academy kind of resonates. You'd expect a few of their kids to be quite good. So I'm sure if Southampton kind of put it out that we want to send Jake Vokins out on loan, who's interested, there would have been a few few clubs from, from the, the lower tiers you know, calling up. 
So to say for him then to say yes to Sunderland, of course the player has to agree to it as well. But I think Sunderland should definitely see it as a compliment that he's going to, to Sunderland. Let's not forget Sunderland are a big team. They're a massive team in their own right. So it's not like he's going to bloody, and I won't name a small team in case I offend <laughs> someone, but you know what I mean? He's going to a massive team. They're, yeah. they're a bigger team than Southampton. So it's, it's not exactly, it may be a step down in football, but it's not a step down of club level at all. Yeah, no, I, I would actually agree with that. I think it just we've had so many years of mismanagement. Sometimes you worry if people go, oh God, don't go to Sunderland because it has, it has sometimes got the, the ability to do that, especially when you've got something on Netflix readily available to watch. Um, in terms of his play itself, you've touched an awful lot on his, uh, his attacking play and I've read that he's, he's very good at going forward. And we've touched on how that naturally is the way that fullbacks are these days. But what are his, maybe the things he needs to, improve on why do you think you'll come to something what would we be told to concentrate on when he gets here it, the first thing it sounds cliche will probably be to, to toughen up a little bit mm-hmm. he's he's still a kid um i think he's 19 1920 is around 19, that 20 yeah around that age that'd be the first thing kind of toughen up a little bit fill out take a take a few kicks up in the air and dust your shoulders off and, and crack on with it the the second thing i think that would be good to see him improve on is perhaps his sort of spatial, his spatial awareness, where he positions himself, um, which I'm sure he's going to have the chance to do. Like I said, if he's playing more regularly, of course, it's just these things will just become habit. That, I think, will be key because against Arsenal, he was out of, he just looked out of position so many times and Arsenal were able just to pick... It was both sides. It was Jan Valery and Jake Vokins. They were both out of position so often that Arsenal were just able to exploit that with a ball over the top to Smithrow or Saka and then no one's going to catch them in a race. Um, so it'll be toughen up, be a bit better kind of spatial awareness positioning. Um, third one, probably maybe stamina. I'm not saying he's unfit. He's obviously a very, very fit player, but to play 90 minutes of men's first team football, no matter what kind of division you're in, will take some doing. Yeah. Uh, against Arsenal, yeah, he played bad, but he was also kind of, maybe not struggling towards the end, but, and it's the same for Jan Valerie. They were both kind of feeling it. So to get more, just more minutes basically under there to build up their lungs, build up their fitness. I think that will be absolutely crucial to Jake. And if he can kind of come back with those three things in the bag, I'm sure Sunderland will say thank you. And I'm sure Saints will say, send an even bigger thank you back. When it comes to um, him as a player as well, I think I'm probably asking a really obvious question here, but he has signed, I think it's a new four-year contract. I could be wrong, but it's a a contract he has signed, which indicates the same as part of the future. But Southampton, since I've been young, I mean, I'm coming up 35, unfortunately. Um, But Wayne Bridge, going back, obviously wasn't great. Many Southern fans will hear that, but obviously played for England. was a a great left-back that went on to Chelsea, came from Southampton's academy. Luke Shaw's a new one that's came out there. I think Southampton have a habit of creating good players, but also have a habit of creating good left-backs specifically, so it seems. Do they see him as, you know, I don't mean next year, but maybe over the next couple of years, as someone that could be the next Wayne Bridge, the next Luke Shaw, someone they could have as a first-team player week in, week out, or even sell on for a bit of a profit in five, six years' time? Well, I'm not going to compare him to this player, but you missed arguably Southampton's best left-back, Gareth Gareth Bale. Bale. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying they think he's going to go and be Gareth Bale. Um, but absolutely, I remember when when I was talking to a contact about Jake Vokins uh, before he kind of went to Sunderland and just trying to get an understanding of why 
I mean, I kind of knew why they were letting him go, but it was about me trying to understand what they, what their plans are for him in the future. And I was told that the, the plan is for him to go there. And then he comes back in the summer with all that experience, uh, the things we've spoken about already. And then he, he becomes Southampton's second choice left back behind Bertrand. Um, so if, if he does that, and that's, that's kind of the carrot that's been dangled, um, Southampton obviously believe in him. They, don't, they wouldn't have handed him a, a decent contract if they didn't. And the thing is, as well, is foot, I mean, football is a, is a business, isn't it? So of course. if perhaps Vokins doesn't turn out to be one for the future at Southampton, they're going to look to, to kind of make you know, some money on him. And that's where that, that big contract comes in because it protects their asset. If he turns out to be really, really good, brilliant give him a new contract if he turns out to kind of be Matt Target's probably a good example if he can get to the level of Matt Target it's probably I mean he's got he's a villain now and he's doing really well but he just wasn't able to to get ahead of Bertrand and Southampton sold him for 15 million pound so that's how it kind of operates there if if they're not quite good enough for the first team at Southampton they still want to try and make a bit of money on these academy players but the hope of course is that when I mean, Bertrand's not, Bertrand isn't going to go on forever. So the hope is that Vokins can eventually kind of fill that role. Um, but Southampton just realised he's not ready just yet. Yeah, and obviously, hence the move to Sunderland. I'm still just kicking myself that I forgot Gareth Bale and Matt Target at the same time. And Matt Target's in my fantasy team, which is the worst part about it. Um, one thing I found quite interesting, you touched before about him coming back and being the second choice. And I think a lot of Sunderland fans have... Um, fortunately or unfortunately, maybe a misconception that he is Southampton's second choice left back. I, I don't think he is, but nonetheless, Southampton fans were a little bit baffled he was allowed to go out on loan. Were you surprised or do you think it's just a natural reaction to Southampton fans saying, like, don't let the homegrown guy go yet? Why is he not just staying with us and being second choice? Well, I remember I remember when I first, again, kind of going back to the day he, he went to Sunderland and I became aware of it. I was surprised at first, but then remembered a conversation I'd had maybe three or four days prior with a, with a good contact of mine, where there was the saying that Ralph, in that left-back role, Ralph kind of sees Bertrand as number one, and then he's looking at Stephen, Jack Stevens, Ibrahim Diallo as kind of two and three. And then you're thinking, well, where does that leave Jake? Yeah. Um, and that, that, that's the harsh reality of it. I know Southampton fans will be annoyed because Southampton need kind of cover at, at fullback um, for the rest of the season. But Jake just wasn't going to play. Ralph does view, I mean, Yannick, when Yannick Vestergaard comes back, that frees up Jack Stevens. Now, yeah. Jack Stevens isn't a left back by any means, but he can do a decent job there. Um, so he views Jack as ahead of Jake. He views Diallo, who's a central midfielder, as someone that could fill in for that left back role. And when Jake went off against Arsenal, it was Diallo that, that slotted back there. So when you kind of put that into context, that Ralph just wasn't really going to, wasn't going to use him from now until the end of the season, it does make, perfect sense I mean obviously if all of a sudden three or four Southampton players that can play left back get injured then you've got egg on your face but fingers crossed that that won't be the case yeah you can't really you can't really you can't plan for moments like that can you really if three or four players get injured I, I did watch Stevens I think he played left back against Newcastle yeah um, which I watched obviously just you know just in on in the background I enjoyed Southampton winning that one nonetheless <laughs> but um just to kind of um, end on it to be honest with you one thing I did want to ask is probably around the, the characters that Southampton are building because one of the big problems with Sunderland over the past we can go back a while has probably been the characters that we brought into the club so 
even if they're coming here for six months, Sunderland fans are really intent on making sure that we have the right characters in now. What sort of character is kind of wanted around the Southampton Academy at the moment? And how does uh, Jake fit into that mindset? And is he fulfilling what you think Southampton are looking for as an academy product? Which is a really long question, but hopefully you understand where I was going well, no, I mean, to, to answer the, the second point, um, absolutely. He is the, a kind of really good example of what Southampton's academy is all about. There are many good academies in England. Southampton isn't, it's not the best. It's probably up there and as one of the best. They don't, they don't just take good footballers. They want good people. And they yeah. are really keen on, I remember talking to a, a former academy coach there and he was like, at, at, at the end of, when they leave the academy, if they're not good people and they don't buy into the, we're all in this together type kind of hard work um, ethos, we, we failed them. Um, and Jake, he came through at the same time as Will Smallbone, a, another young, another young lad at Southampton who was technically very good. They are both, they are both the characters you'd want in and around your kind of first team dressing room. I mean, I've only interviewed Jake a couple of times, so I, I don't really know him that well. But I was only impressed when I did speak to him. He's a young lad, but he's definitely got a wise head on him. Um, he will not be an issue in Sunderland's dressing room whatsoever. Um, I don't think Sunderland fans will be questioning his desire, his work ethic, his will to win at all. I, I'd be really surprised if they were. That You know, you get some players that come out of the academy that maybe think they've made it because they've been handed their first pro contract or whatever, but Jake certainly isn't. He's not one of those. He knows he's got work to do. He knows he's this is a chance for him to go and show the powers that be at Southampton that he can be their number two choice left back or even their first choice going forward in the future. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to, to waste this opportunity and let anyone down by turning into a character that he's definitely not. Fingers crossed, but if we revisit this in six months and we haven't got promoted, <laughs> I've got your number, mate. But um, Dan, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Um, obviously, if people haven't subscribed to Athletic, I have, funnily enough, but that's because you're having a sale at the moment, just to be fair. Um, how can they find you on, on Twitter, Dan, just in case anyone wants to follow you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. It's at Dan Sheldon Sport. Um, I mean, if you're interested in Southampton or whatever, then yeah, come and give me a follow. <laughs> so keep up the good work, Dan, and thanks for popping on, mate. No worries. Thank you for having me on. Best of luck for the season. Thank you. Change it! So to discuss what appears to be Sunderland's third signing of the weekend, not yet officially confirmed, but we believe it will be, I'm delighted to be joined by the Highland Football Weekly uh, podcast to discuss Ross Stewart. And I've got Ian. Uh, first and foremost, Ian, before we talk about Sunderland's potential and hopeful new signing, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm very well, Graham. Yeah, um, coping well during lockdown, surviving lockdown, I think is the, is the correct terminology. Surviving it is definitely the, the definitely the right terminology. Yeah, no, I'm just starting on my my second day isolation. I thought I'd escaped it all the way through from March. Looks like I might not have escaped it, but I'm fine. Um, if I am positive, I'm asymptomatic, so I'm surviving something somewhere along the line. So I'm coping, mate, but not too bad. The good thing is something to cheer me up. Maybe not on the pitch, but off the pitch. Um. I think we'll get straight to it, although it's not confirmed at the time of speaking. It certainly looks like Ross County's Ross Stewart will be the first, uh, will be a Sunderland player, the third Sunderland player, sorry, on probably Sunday, Monday. Um, first thoughts, are you surprised by the move? 
Not really. I mean, surprise in terms of uh, perhaps, uh, I mean, I know Sunderland are a League One club, but the, the club, the, the stature of Sunderland, I mean, surprised. I mean, it's, it's no surprise that he's leaving Ross County. I think when uh, Jordan White was brought into the club by uh, Ross County a few days ago from Motherwell, that to me suggested that they were, uh, rightly so, going to kind of cash in on Ross Stewart because the likes of Aberdeen and Hibs had been rumoured to be in. I think Hibs were keen on taking him last summer. Yeah. So there's no surprise that, that um, he's on the move. You know, it's inevitable for a, a club in the Scottish Premiership once players do start to perform well on a regular basis for bigger clubs to come sniffing. Surprise, maybe that it's Sunderland, but at the same time, you know, I mean, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it. The, you know, the kind of player he is, kind of guy he is. I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll do well in, uh, in Sunderland. Fingers crossed. Um, as I was saying, sort of off air, I live in Scotland, but I must admit, even I don't know a great deal about probably Ross County outside of Yogi um, and outside of probably Liam Boyce a few years ago. So I don't know as much as I'd, I'd like to know about Ross Stewart myself. So for Sunderland fans who know like nothing about him at all, what, what kind of striker is he? He's a very hardworking striker. Uh, that's the that's the, the thing I always associate with, with Ross Stewart. For me, he's a, a grafter. He's willing to play, you know, and and a couple of different positions uh, across the front line. I think one of the biggest things for me uh, uh, when we talk about Ross Stewart and his performances, it was the first game of the season. And that was when I kind of really sat up and took notice of Ross Stewart. Uh, they, they played Motherwell in the first their first game of the season. Um, he scored that night. He scored a penalty that night. But he was everywhere. He was immense for Ross County. I mean, he was winning the ball back in the kind of the, the, you know, the edge of 18-yard box stuff, trying to set up attacks. He's a guy that likes to get involved, and I think that is probably the what epitomises him is his, his hard work. His hard work and his work rate is matched by his goals too. Now he has scored. I mean, it's very difficult to talk about full seasons because we haven't had many full seasons. Last year he, he got into double figures despite not having a full season, um, and then the, the the season before that, Ross County were in the the Scottish Championship. They they won it at a canter, which was a big achievement for the club considering you know Dundee United were one of the biggest fishes in that pond they had the you know the likes of Parik Thistle and Cali Thistle in there as well Ross County got up and, and Ross Stewart scored um, 11 goals that season too so you know he's got a pretty impressive goal tally when I mentioned hard-working strikers I think you know strikers when when you say hard-working their, their goal rate isn't uh, perhaps what fans expect but I think Ross Stewart can can add, well, he has that to his game as well. I think at League One level and you know Scottish Premiership level, you need to be hardworking as well. I think that's it's really important. I think if you can mix the two together, it's it's really good. And I mean, I, I can't emphasize it. It sounds almost derogatory, but it's really not. I was well, I live quite near Hampden Park, and I was lucky enough to be in the Ross County end when the they won the cup. Obviously, in the last minute against uh, against Hibs, weirdly enough, because just I live next to Hampden, I thought why not? And it was it was a really small crowd. Um, that day was compared to Hibs, it was minimal. Um, and it almost sounds like, you know, oh, Ross County, because you see that, you think quite a small club, can he do it at Sunderland? But the truth is, you talk about the Motherwell game there and you talk about how well he played. He came up against Declan Gallagher, who's obviously incredibly hard work and Scotland's probably main centre-half at the moment. And he's caused problems for the likes of Rangers and Celtic before as well. He's, he's not 
only a kind of striker that can perform against other clubs. He's done it against, I think it was Celtic this season, did he not? I think that um, you're you're right. I think he has done it against, you know, the the best teams, the best defences in this league, if you like. You know, he scored against Celtic and Rangers as well. Yeah. He's, I mean, he, he, he's, he's mobile. He likes to mix it up. Um, he can be a real handful for defenders as well. And I, I think that, you know, when he, when he joined Ross County, first of all, and as I mentioned there, yes, he scored double figures in the Scottish Championship. And, you know, that's a Scottish Championship. That's a, a level down from the Premiership. And I know that, you know, that, that Sunderland fans might think, well, you know, yeah, he's scoring goals at the Scottish Championship, but can he step up? Well, he has stepped up. He's scored goals in the Premiership. And I think the next step for him is obviously the, you know, League One with Sunderland. Uh, it's another step up. To be honest, I think it's a step up that he'll, that he'll make uh, relatively easily. Yeah, there will be a few um, differences, of course, but I, I can see him being a, a real handful for, for defenders downside, that's for sure. An interesting comparison in a player that Sunderland have, a lot of Sunderland fans have said, I wish we'd go in for him and we've been linked to quite a bit, is Lauren Shankland. Now, Shankland has got the name and all that kind of stuff, but he's very similar in the sense that he came up from the Scottish Championship and he's, he's I wouldn't say he's struggled this season, but he maybe hasn't scored as many as he would like. I think on paper, Ross Stewart has actually scored more Premiership goals for a club that is probably not as, um, should we say, well-backed as Dundee United would be, as you alluded to before. So, I mean, that's a compliment in itself, isn't it? He's probably the unfashionable of the two, but scored more goals. Yeah, it's a very interesting comparison between the two because I was actually watching Lauren Shankle the other night and he scored goals for fun yeah. in the Championship last season. And, and was linked with bigger clubs uh, mm-hmm. during the summer. You know, there was rumour of Rangers having an interest in him and, and things like that. Uh, Ross Stewart's not had the same interest. Aberdeen and Hibs are two clubs that were rumoured to be... Uh, well, Hibs, there was interest from Hibs. I'm pretty sure of that. And I think Aberdeen are keen to take him on a pre-contract for next season. So there is interest there from, from two clubs. But I think Lauren Shanklin has had the, the publicity that, that comes with scoring goals and playing for a club like Dundee United. Now, there will be maybe Dundee United fans, sorry, Ross County fans that won't like me for saying that, but Dundee United are considered a, a bigger club than Ross County. Now, Historically, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe maybe not in, in, you know, in terms of the current day, there's not too many league places between the two and, and certainly achievements over the last couple of years. There, you know, you probably would favour Ross County, but historically Dundee United are the bigger club. When their support base gets behind them, they're a well-supported club. But yeah, I think perhaps Lauren Shanklin and one or two others as well. I know that there's there's interest. Uh, Birmingham City, for example, are keen on Kevin Nisbet. And this, yeah, and another another person linked to us, I think, at a significantly mm-hmm. higher fee than Ross Stewart, funnily enough. Okay. So I got a guy, a guy that's again scored goals in the championship and has had a very good season so far with Hibs. But when you look at Nisbet and Hibs, sorry, Nisbet, Shankland and Stewart, Stewart's the kind of lesser talked about of the three. But when you look at his stats and his goals, you know, perhaps he's a, a player that, that 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 should be looked at. And indeed, that's why Sunderland perhaps are looking at him. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think you know, he talked about his work rate and stuff like that being his strengths, but you always want to know what his weaknesses are. Does he have weaknesses or should I say, is there place, places he could improve, you think, by going to Sunderland? I think it's probably an overall thing. I think that playing against, 
I've got to be very careful now because I'm, I'm talking <laughs> down the game and I don't want to talk down the game. But he, he'll, he'll face different challenges. There will be, I mean, the few players that talk about differences between the Scottish game and the English game, albeit we're talking about perhaps Premiership and League One. There are going to be different teams, different defenders, you know, different ways of playing that will come up against. I think that's probably where, you know, he, he, he'll um, benefit from and improve on. It's, you know, in terms of, I mean, you know, at, at this level, perhaps, you know, um, it, it, there's a lot of heading goals among his his kind of highlights reel, if you like. So he's very yeah. good in goal. Perhaps, you know, in terms of finishing, that might be something that he might need to, in terms of with the ball at his feet, improve on. But I think his overall game will get a lift. Um, we have seen instances where players have gone down south and it, it perhaps hasn't worked out. There's there's a lot of cases that, that uh, there's a lot of examples sorry of players that have gone down to Championship, even Premier League, League One hasn't worked out for them and they have come back up uh, north of the border. But I dare say when they come back up north of the border, there's an improvement in their game. Um, mm. I mean, I mean, just for example, I mean I. Um, my own team, Hearts. I'm a Hearts fan. Uh, I know my colours to the mast. And, uh, you know, we've just signed a player in the summer there, Stephen Kingsley, who, Scottish-born, you know, went down south at a very early age and has come back and has actually been a really, really good find for us. Maybe he hasn't reached the, the levels down south that many will have expected of him, but he's come back and he's a, I mean, he's one of our better players, that's for sure. Yeah, so, he has been. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So perhaps, I mean, I mean, Ross Stewart will go down there. I hope he's a success. If he isn't, then I'm sure he will have uh, improved uh, in his game. When he comes back up, there'll be a really uh, significant difference in him. At risk of giving too much of a boost to our own players and downplaying Ross Counties too much, I suppose on paper, his supply line now is going to be Jordan Jones on the right, the likes of Lyndon Gooch potentially on the right, and Aidan McGeady on the left, which I'm sure you're someone that's very, very familiar with. Do you think with better quality ammunition, he, this maybe sounds like an obvious question, but he's likely to score even more goals than he has already. Do you think the ammunition he gets at Sunderland is probably slightly more talented than what he has at Ross County? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's probably fair to say that that, that that's going to be the case. I think with, um, I mean, Jordan Jones is uh, Sunderland signed a couple of days ago. I mean, he's a, a player that has kind of fallen out of favour at Rangers, um, but does have tremendous talent. I mean, Eden McGeady, I mean, you know, again, I mean, it's well documented what a career he's had. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm delighted to see him back in the frame at, at Sunderland and. Uh, I know he's kind of very highly rated down there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, his game will improve. I'm hope I'm hoping that you know. I mean, personally, I love when I love to see ambitious Scottish players. I think, yeah, it's very easy to for them to 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 grab big money moves, etc., and 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 go in the way and, and and play for clubs down south and get bigger wages, etc. But I like to see players go down and. And try and prove themselves and, and try and better themselves. And I think that okay, we can get a bit cocky now. We've made a major championships, but when you boil it down to it, you know, we don't have too many Scottish strikers kind of uh, setting the header alight. Okay, there are a few kind of you know in our own game, but down south we don't really have too many. I know Lyndon Dykes is now one of our own, and we've got Ollie McBurney, who's you know okay at Sheffield United, but we don't have 
too many. I mean, we need Lauren Shankland firing again. Kevin Nisbet, as we touched on, is is the next kind of uh, line in the throne, if uh, next in line, if you like, to the throne. But Ross Stewart, I mean, it'd be brilliant for him to then take his game on to another level. He's only 24. He's 25 in the summer. Um, you know, to go down there and 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 play down uh, in League One and potentially even higher as well, that can only benefit Scotland. Uh, and and perhaps, I mean, I'm hoping that I always want to see Scottish players do well. You know, one day, you know, Ross Stewart might might do enough to get himself in Steve Clark's side. And he's got to, he's got to see that as an opportunity as well because I think you're right. I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll watch Scotland a fair amount and. As much as McBurney's a twenty million pound striker, that doesn't seem to quite work out. Um, Nisbet's on the cusp of it, but there is an opportunity there for someone to maybe come to a. And again, it's it's no detriment to Ross County, maybe come to a club like someone who's got a lot of attention on them, despite the fact that we're probably at our lowest ebb. Improve his game, get himself in the headlines, and potentially even push towards that Europe that European Championship squad. It's not completely gone the realms of possibility that could do that. One player that did come down to England and unfortunately did his is cruciate, I think, as soon as he came, and he's now gone back up, is, is Liam Boyce. Now, from memory, when Stuart first came in, he was kind of like the replacement for Boyce. Um, simple question, I suppose, but would you say that he's adequately replaced him at Ross County? Um, I mean, it's uh, yeah, Liam Boyce was a, a big loss to Ross County, um, and they lost Liam Boyce at a kind of a, a, a very... I mean, Liam Boyce, again, you know, to, to use the the Ross Stewart example, I mean, Ross County, yeah, they had them. Liam Boyce went on, moved, moved down south, bigger move, etc. And they were not going to stop in the way of Liam Boyce. I think that Ross Stewart definitely replaced him in terms of goals. County had a very, you know, in between Liam Boyce leaving, they got relegated down to that championship as well. So someone had to come in and, and, and fill the, the void. Billy McKay, um, ex of Cali Thistle, of course, um, and, and and had spells down south, the likes of Wigan, etc. And and Ross Stewart formed a good partnership too. And and between them, those those guys helped get the goals, if you like, to get Ross County back up to the top flight. I mean, I mean, not ask any Ross County fan; they'll tell you that Liam Boyce, the, the time that Liam Boyce was at the football club, I mean, was Liam Boyce scored scored goals for fun. He was a a brilliant, a really brilliant striker, and actually, uh, I quite like the fact that Liam Boyce is turning out for my own my own team, uh, Hearts now, of course. So there's a nice link there, uh, and 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 has been scoring goals. I mean, he scored three in the last uh, couple of days, so he he's got a tremendous talent. In terms of, I mean, uh, has Ross Stewart replaced Liam Boyce? I, I think probably they're slightly kind of different strikers, if you like. I mean, he has replaced him in terms of goals, but. Um, I mean, Ross County, obviously, I mean, that's, as we touched on the very start, that's why I think Ross County will see Ross Stewart move on because of Jordan White's arrival. So I think Jordan White will now be the kind of guy that's flanked with with scoring goals uh, in Ross Stewart's absence. And it's it's interesting as well because I don't think, I think John Hughes has only really worked with Ross Stewart um, for 34 minutes, you know, in terms of that game game time if you like so he hasn't really had much time to work under the new manager but again he's out of contract in the summer it's probably sensible for the club to to move him on um now rather than lose him for free of course with Aberdeen free transfer as well we know what Aberdeen like to do they like to to hang around and grab the best players in the freeze 
Yes, so they're getting it done back for themselves recently with Rangers. But um, with a lot of Sunderland fans, what they'll want from a striker and what they've said they've wanted from a striker is someone different to Charlie White. Now, I can really appreciate that you probably don't watch Charlie White every week. But to put into context, I think what people want is someone who's going to play off the shoulder, maybe a bit of a different option, someone who's got a bit of pace, as opposed to just sort of a, a target man, um, for want of a better word. Now, Charlie White scored about 15 goals this season, so I think he'll probably come in as the backup originally because of the fact that we do play one up front. But say something did happen to Charlie White, is he a different striker to Charlie White? Is he going to play off the shoulder or is he more the kind of replacement target man, so to speak? How would you pigeonhole him if you had to? I mean, he's a target man. There's no doubt about that. He's got the height and the, the, the strength to you know hold the ball in. Uh, and, and get others involved in the play as well. He's very unselfish, so he, he'll do that well. Um, does have does have the legs to get in behind as well. So it's, I suppose he has a bit of both. Um, it really all depends on on what on how you know Sunderland use him. Did they use him as a backup, or did they did they get him involved straight away? Did they use him as a you know a two a kind of a, a decoy if you like? I would probably say he's, he's he is versatile at the moment uh, you know he's, he's relatively young as i say he, yes he's a striker um yes uh, you know as, as i mentioned there he has the ability to act as that hey, i'm gonna i'm gonna sound a bit ancient here but he has the ability to be a kevin kyle if you like but <laughs> current um um but at the same time he has a bit more pace than kevin kyle in a um uh, no maybe not as strong as kevin kyle but no he, he definitely has a a bit more to his game, um, and and just because of the, as I mentioned at the, at the start there, just because of his ability to get about the park, to operate in kind of the wider areas too, he's probably a bit more to a bit more to give, and and also he's something different, so he might offer as a a good alternative. Um, it's funny you mentioned there because I, uh, I this is going to sound really cringy, but I suppose Sunderland Dara, I've always had a soft spot for Sunderland, so I haven't. Yes. I haven't seen too many of their games in the most recent couple of years. Uh, I have been I have been to Stadium of Light uh, before, but ye- we're talking years ago. We're talking Kevin Phillips, Niall Quinn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a one 0 defeat to Liverpool that day, which, uh, which which I I I still remember that game very very well. So I've always had a soft spot for Sunderland since. But other than watching Netflix documentaries, I can't say I've watched them in the last couple of years. That's for sure. You haven't missed too much. I've got to be honest. Um, you touched on it a little bit before, um, and it it does delve into a probably quite a simple question. But in my opinion, unfortunately, it's not weird to hear Sunderland fans and, and fans of English clubs alike question whether the Scottish Premiership is even any better than League One. Me personally, I think some clubs will be on a similar level. Um, the likes of obviously Rangers and Celtic and Aberdeen, Hibs. Probably better than that. Probably a lot better than that. Um, but based on the what, things that he's done in in the Scottish Premiership, and based on what you've seen of League One, when you have, I'm sure you've seen one or two games, will he score goals in League One for Sunderland? Do you think? I, I would. I'd be pretty confident in saying yeah. I mean, I don't like to get hung up on the argument about you know which is better, the the English lower leagues or the Scottish top league. You know, all well, like, that. Different I, game, I think, isn't it? It's yeah, a different take, game. Take, yeah, take each league and the clubs involved in their own merit and the old firm is a, a different kettle of fish altogether. And 
I must admit, I get a few bees in my, I got a bee in my bonnet when the the talk of, you know, it comes up on talk sport, etc. They'll have a regular uh, irate, they'll, they'll have a regular feature. Let's wind up a couple of Scotsmen and talk about how how poor the game is and how Celtic Rangers would get relegated every time. But anyway, yeah, I think that the standard in in the Scottish Premiership, on the whole, probably isn't too far off. Kind of low end of the Championship top of League One. I get that, you know, there are a few exceptions to the rule in there. So, yeah, I, I think that Stuart will score goals in League One. I'm pretty confident. I suppose the million-dollar question is, will he score as, as much as the Sunderland fans want him to score? I suppose <laughs> that can be an opinion, isn't it? It does. That That's kind of... that. That's where the cookie crumbles, I guess. But I think if he if he notched six or seven and got us promoted as even as a, a secondary striker, we'd be pretty happy. And I think that's kind of what we're buying him for. Final question. I think the fee, based on the fact that his contract's coming up at the end of the season, of course, it represents good value for, for Ross County. I think it's rumoured 300,000. Be there or thereabouts, I would imagine. But does 300,000 represent good value to Sunderland based on the fact that the likes of Kevin Nisbet, who's had a very similar trajectory, is apparently going to cost 1.5 to 2 million. Yeah, I would I would probably say yes, he's, he's valued for money. It's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because as we mentioned there, I mean, Kevin Nisbet and, and Lawrence Shanklin, you could probably lump them two together because they yeah. would probably go, or United would want a kind of similar fee to Nisbet. Um, I mean, both have had, they both have scored goals in the Premier League, but over the last couple of months. I mean, I know Lauren Shankland had, you know, a spell at Aberdeen, etc. before. Um, but the money for Nisbet, I think Hibs are they're not sure how you put it that way. Yeah, I think the Nisbet fee could be justified mm-hmm. because he's a, I actually do rate Nisbet. I think he's a Same. an old school kind of um, to use, again, to use back to my analogy, he's a bit of a John Robertson character. Yeah. You know, a bit of a you know, fox in the box type guy. Um, so I do really rate Kevin this bit. Pains me to say it, but um, 1.5 million, yeah, you could say, well, yeah, fair enough, he, he's worth that. But I also think Stuart is, you know, should be mentioned in the same bracket as Nisbet and Shanklin. So that, in in that sense, then 300,000 pounds is a bit of a, a bit of a steal. Yeah, that's how I feel. Um, but Ian, thanks so much for giving us the sort of the download on on someone who we hope, we think, this hasn't been wasted and he's, he's in a red and white shirt come some, uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. Um, I'm sure he will be from what we've been told. And if he's not, that's egg on my face and that's my fault. Um, but thanks for joining. But but Ian, where can, I mean, we have a lot of Scottish fans who listen to the podcast. We've got a couple of Motherwell boys who come on, obviously, I live in, in Glasgow. We've got a guy from Albroath who's a regular guest. But where can we find you and where can we find your podcast on Twitter and things like that? Yeah, so um, Highland Football Weekly comes out um, well, I've got to do two shows a week now. One show features on a guest who's been involved in Highland football. So, for example, in the last couple of uh, weeks, we've had Colin McMenamin, Morris Malpass and Stuart Kettlewell on the show um, talking about their involvement with Ross County, Cali Thistle. And then we do a weekly show based on uh, the Highland League. So kind of delve in and speak to the kind of characters and, and, and players, managers and involved in the Highland League. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, uh, just search for Highland Football Weekly. Awesome. Ian, thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Mm. Pleasure. Uh, I was a journalist and, and now I'm a marketeer. My role is to 
have a vision, to imagine things, to feel things. Sunland's most exciting signing of the window comes in the shape of the... Oh, shit, done that wrong. Sunland's most exciting signing of the window comes in the shape of Rangers' Jordan Jones, who has signed on a loan deal up until the end of the season. It's someone that a few of us know a lot about, previously being at Middlesbrough and obviously being at a massive club in Rangers, but to give us a full lowdown as someone who's watched him a lot more often than I have, and probably we have, it's my pal Wooly from This Is Ibrox. How are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm all right, Graham. How are you doing? I have to pretend we haven't spoke for a good 20 minutes before this about all sorts of stuff and about certain results <laughs> today, but there you go. Um, <laughs> it's funny, we, we were obviously on a podcast on Monday chatting about Rangers uh, on This Is Ibrox, and we spoke about... Scott Wright coming in from Aberdeen, and we said that probably spelt the end of Jordan Jones. Never did I imagine he would end up with Sunderland a few days later. Um, are you surprised that he's dropped down to the League One level? Um, well, when I look at kind of deals that have been done in the past for Rangers players, um, just off the top of my head, Greg Docherty, he, he dropped down to kind of League One. I'm saying dropped down, that's a bit this real. No, he, he, he has, it, it makes um, sense. You know, but he went down, he, he, he done really well. And then he came back up into the SPFL, you know, the top flight in Scotland. And I think he rejoined, he joined Hibs. It didn't really work out from there. And now he's batting League One. He's playing with Hull, I think. And by all accounts that I've read, the reports and stuff, he's he seems to be flying. So I think maybe Rangers are looking at it from a point of view where if we can get him down there playing and then maybe take a bat in the summer and see, see where his future lies. Yeah, I mean, talking about Greg Dogley, that's a really good point. That was a player Sunderland were linked to a few times, especially when Jack Ross was here, and he's flying with Hull. He's doing really, really well. So hopefully Jordan Jones does um, exactly the same. But I'll I'll go back to when he, he first started originally at Rangers. Obviously, he had a really good season, a couple of good seasons, really, at Achille, but he made it quite clear that he wanted to sign for Rangers, I think, in the January time. Um, how excited were you personally when Jordan Jones first came into the club? Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said that I was really excited that, that Jordan Jones was going to, you know, come into the team and and I've seen it more as a squad player, if I'm honest. I mean, these players come in and you need them in your team, especially when you're competing in all fronts that we try and do, you know, with the two uh, cup competitions in Scotland, the league, and then you've got Europe, wherever that may be, whether it's the Champions League, Europa League. So you kind of need these players to come in. So I wouldn't say I was really excited to get him in, but he's he's obviously as soon as you know, you know he's in on that pitch, that's when you get the excitement. To be honest, but I mean when he first started, if I think back in the January, as you touched on, he signed a pre-contract, and I think he put himself in in hot water. To be honest with you, I think he, he put up a tweet, uh, pretty much saying how he couldn't wait to get started at Rangers, and I mean things didn't materialise that he joined in the January, so he had to sit at Kilmarnock and and see out the six months in front of the crowd when the crowds were allowed in. So I think it was a bit fiery from their fans because I'm sure they would have let them know what they thought about that message. And then he went and scored as well, didn't he? Just to kind of, because there's been a lot, we'll come on to this, but there's been a lot of questions about his character from a few different people as it tends to happen. Yeah, fair enough, one or two things, but I don't know the guy in Biola County. He spoke quite well on the, the interview when he signed, but... Questioning characters and stuff like that. One positive, I suppose, you could put on is he he scored for Killy against Rangers after that move was confirmed, and he, he celebrated it quite wildly. Um, that that's kind of a positive in a way that he's celebrating for the club he's then playing for. Yeah, I think he's maybe the he's maybe got that sort of 
strong character, you know, strong willed probably. Um, he's probably wanted to go out and prove a point to the, to the Kilmarnock fans that he was still committed to to fighting for for them. Because I think at the time, I think they were challenging for Europe. I think they ended up getting Europe that season, and uh, that sort of derailed our season. Um, when we were trying to challenge Celtic, I think it kind of put the, the buffers on that at that moment. So it was quite a big moment, and it it did. It, it sh- I think it's shown that he was quite a, you know, a, a professional. You know, he, he never let that sort of cross his mind that, you know, I, I better watch what I'm doing. He was he was right up for that game if I remember right, and and he did. He got the goal, and I, I'm sure they won that day as well. I think it was two one. I think wasn't it? It was because obviously Steve Clark was the. The Killy manager at the time, I think he ran to the manager and celebrated with the manager and stuff like that. And it was kind mm-hmm. of a, a big throw. It was made out of it in a, in a sense. Um, I think there's a few play, people who've looked at what he's done. And obviously, Rangers are a team. It's it's maybe different to Ross County, my, my guest who I spoke to before. There'll be people who've watched Rangers games on TV and will have seen Jordan Jones. Now, the first thing I think of is pace when I've watched him and I thought the same when he was at Kilmarnock, but what do you think his qualities are? Someone who's watched him a lot more regular than probably I have and a few of the listeners have. Well, um, yeah, as you said, he's, he's a very pacey winger. He's, he's quite direct, you know, he'll, he'll attack the, the full-backs he's up against. He likes kind of getting into that space and he will create chances for the strikers. So if you've got a hungry striker there, Keenan's scoring goals, you know, he's, a, he's got a pretty decent player that's going to create his chances. When it comes to um, quality into the box, I think obviously at the moment we've got Aidan McGeady, we've got Jack Diamond, we've got Lyndon Gooch kind of just returning from a little bit of a COVID layoff and getting 20 minutes here or there. One thing that can sometimes get levelled at the current players that we have is that their quality of delivery into the box is hit or miss, for want of a better word. What is this quality of balls into the box like? You know, maybe pretty much similar to, to what you're, you're describing with the, with the players that are there currently. I, I do think that maybe if he got a consistent run of games, he, he could, you know, hit the ground running because I'm just doing this off the top of my head. I'm sure that he had a pretty good season. Uh, as you said, with Kilmarnock, I think his figures were about 30-plus goal contributions over the season that he was there. So he was creating chances and he was scoring goals as well. That could be a bonus and it could be something, you know, that maybe help Sunderland hopefully get into the automatic promotion place. Yeah, um, obviously he wasn't in the squad today, so it's unfortunate we, we couldn't see him, but there's a lot of a lot of excitement around him. I can't deny that. A lot of people seem really happy that he's came here because of how highly rated he is. And truth be told, Sunderland are a League One club and signing a player from Rangers these days. Unfortunately for us, it's quite a big thing. It's not like it was maybe 10, 15 years ago, but what, what are his weaknesses? Because there is going to be that element as well where you know we don't want to think about it, but every player has a weakness. What do you see as his weaknesses mainly? You know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure I, I, that I would have pinpointed too many because I like to think that he does. He works hard off the ball and, and uh, he kind of always tries to at least run and, and get in the way of the opposition. I, I do feel like he's he's got everything to kind of make it and you know potentially go and play higher levels. Yeah, football and get consistent runs. So I wouldn't really point out any weaknesses that I can imagine. I mean, he's I know he's been at Rangers for about eighteen months, but he's not not played too often. Uh, I think it's roughly about what just under twenty games all in. Um, so to pinpoint some weaknesses, it'd be a bit kind of. I don't think I could do that, you know, in, in the, that sort of terms. But he's he's got lots of positives. He will. Uh, track back for for the appearances that I remember. You know he does. He's quite busy off the ball. I feel as well. You know he, he can press. 
he can play like the way Rangers play, they play a high pressing game. So he can he's got the energy levels basically to, to keep up with play if that's the kind of style that, that Lee Johnson plays at Sunderland. I hope so. I hope it's coming. If it's not coming already, I'll tell you that. Jones, to be fair to him, like you say, it's only been a handful of games in 18 months, but there's certain things that stick out in my mind about his career at Rangers. What are the moments that stick out for you about his time at Rangers in those 20 games? Well, um, the positives are um, the first one that springs to mind. You know, it's uh, like a Warsaw game at Ibrooks, the, the game that got us into the Europa League group stages last season. Um, you know, it was a delivery into the box that he put in and, and the place went wild when Morelos got into the end of it. So he can produce those moments of magic. And as I said before, if you've got a striker that's hungry for goals, I'm, I'm sure they will get on to the get on to the end of some of these crosses. I like the fact that, um, you know, you've discussed how he, he works hard as well, because I think a lot of the time a tricky, fast, pacey winger can sometimes be looked at as what you class as a luxury player almost like Aidan McGeady is sometimes or a Stefan Session on the Sunderland fans will probably more remember back in the day but is he one of those wingers that can go missing or is it kind of what you said before at the very least he's going to he's going to work his bollocks off no I think at the very least he'll, he'll work his, his bollocks off basically he's, he's um, you know under Steve Clark command were quite a defensive side so he would kind of sit in he would he would do his defending duties but he's also going up there he's he's Ken bombing up the wings and causing hassle for position. So I don't see any any reason why he couldn't go and do that at Sunderland and you know create the chances that will be needed for the strikers. There was something I do have to come on to. A couple of things levelled at us, um, the fans that are excited about his signing. A few people have mentioned questionable attitude. From the outside looking in, I, I kind of understand why that's happened. There's been two flashpoints in his career. The first instance was him absolutely wiping out a Celtic player in basically in a rage, um, let's be honest, which looking back, we shouldn't laugh. But nonetheless, it's, it is a derby game. It is the old firm. But he did basically wipe out a Celtic player in, and do his, like, his cruciate ligament, I think. He, he hit him yeah. that hard. Um, which put him out for months. Uh, that kind of blotted his copybook a little bit with Gerard, I think. And then, obviously, more recently, himself and George Edmondson have been breaking COVID rules by, I think it was along the lines of allegedly having a party or something, and they give them a, a seven-game ban. And to be fair, neither of them have been seen. Um, in truth, we've talked about money playing 20-plus games and one of those being, one of those flashpoints being an injury, but how much of those flashpoints actually affected his career at Rangers? Well, um, I mean, just off the top of my head, I actually forgot that he injured himself in that challenge, but I remember the challenge. But, I mean, when you when you think back on it, that, that challenge probably put a massive dent in his start his Rangers career. And from then, you know, one thing after another happened. Um, yeah, pretty much kind of halted everything in the tracks. Um, and then, obviously, a season, as you said, he's attended a party. The fans obviously aren't happy about it because he, you know... I don't know how, how often or if, if the Sunderland fans really keep check of Scottish football or whatever, but it's a monumental season up here. It's it's you know it's, it's pretty much do or die. You know, putting it that way, it's uh, a massive season for the fans to to try and win fifty five. And obviously Celtic were going for for ten titles in a row, so it was a massive season. And we were in a really good place at the time, and uh, they weren't. Both players weren't completely out of the picture when they went and attended this party. And I think just by chance as well, the next again day, they would just want in, you know, at Murray, uh, at the Hummel, well, it's not Hummel, Hummel training ground. It's the Rangers training ground now. But yeah. yeah, like it was just lucky that, you know, the next again day that 
Um, whenever it, we're at training, I think the police had dealt with the party and I think that's how Rangers were informed about it. So whether they would have went and told players, you know, speaking about, uh, you know, management that they'd done this or would have tried to get away with it, they could have, you know, halted everything that went good for, for us. And thankfully, you know, luck was on our side in that sense. Yeah, it hasn't it hasn't hindered things too much, but obviously living close to it, I do remember it was seen as like, you idiots, why did he need to do that? But yeah. do you think that the fact that he's had probably two momentous moments in his Rangers career that have, where we sit at the moment, look like that's maybe ended his Rangers career or certainly limited his chances, you can say that much. Do you think that he'll come to Sunderland and that'll be a lesson to him? Yeah, I think that there is a bit of that. I mean, he's, he's 26 now, so... He's getting to that point in his career where he he's, he should be kind of just about to reach his prime and be playing really good football and playing football, you know, week in, week out. So I do think, you know, he's, he's probably wanting to go down there for a bit of redemption, kind of forget about it, be away from all the, you know, what, what's happened up here, kind of blow away the cobwebs, so to speak, and go down there and, and try and just get on with the rest of his career. Because, I, I mean, personally, I do feel like his career at Rangers is over, um, purely down to that party and, and just the way it is, you know, it's it's kind of sad because I did see a bit of potential in him. He's up here, he's, he is, you know, a tricky opponent for opposition players. So he would add it to our squad, absolutely. But um, as you said, the only reason he's kind of out of the picture now is because of atten- he's attended that party, broke COVID sorry, protocol. So, um, you know, it's kind of disappointing. But I do think he'll go down to Sunderland, what I forget about it, and, you know, really kickstart his career now, especially, as I said, Reaching 26, he needs to go and play games. Talking about one real big positive is sometimes there'll be players that have, um, some will be the biggest club they've ever played for in their life. And I think some of them fans might disagree with me in this in some ways, but I don't think that is the case with Jordan Jones, probably the, the second biggest club. Um, when it comes to having that kind of focus on the club you're playing for and the level of intensity, I, I could... I couldn't explain them blue in the face, the intensity of the old firm and everything that exists around it. But um, if you, you're you on the kind of a different side, you're obviously not involved with Sunderland, but do you think that will benefit him with Sunderland? Because Sunderland is a bit of a bubble and some players aren't used to a club that size. Do you think the fact that he's been at a club as big as Rangers is going to benefit him as well? Yeah, definitely. You know, as you said, being up here, I try to describe how best to... I mean, there's no way to describe it, it's to be honest. It's, it? yeah. it's, we live in a gold... Fishbowl yeah. up here, it's it really is like that. You think everybody in the world cares about your two club, like the two big clubs in Scotland, and and they don't. To be honest, it's just up here, and it's so heated, it's so intense, it's everywhere you go, and that'll be the same for these players. You know, they'll have to deal with people coming up to them. I I mean, when you could, you well, I'm sure people probably still try to chance around, but get pictures. Uh, oh, why did you know this? You've burst my coupon. You know, it's it's really intense and. I mean, going down to Sunderland, I'm sure it'll be similar. You know, it's a passionate fan base, so I'm sure it will stand him in good stead that he's he's done that up here. He's got that, you know, under his under his belt, and he could go down there and, and really thrive. I think. Yeah, I, I obviously we really hope so. Um, something we touched on, sort of outside of uh, the conversation we're having recorded here, was the fact that he's likely he's likely to be competing with Aidan McGeady. I know he can play on both sides, but I, I see him predominantly as a, a left-sided sort of winger, essentially, and maybe a front three. Um, maybe even if you're playing 4-4-2, but we're more likely to use them on the front of a, a three almost. Um, 
McGeady's very much a skillful, tricky winger, bag of tricks, that kind of player. Do you think Jordan Jones is a, a similar player or is he different or has he got qualities of both? I think he's he does have kind of, you know, put it as way, if, if I was a fullback and I was coming up against maybe both of them in the league, I'd, I'd be petrified, you know, because obviously McGeady was up here at Celtic. He was good. He was a bit younger then. I don't know if he's still got the same kind of lightning feet and stuff. Um but I, Jordan Jones is is going to be able to compete, I think, with McGeady at the very least. You know, he will give him a run for his money if, as you said, that is the left side. But I think he can play pretty much anywhere along the front three, to be well, really on either side of the yeah. main striker. Which side do you prefer him, on the right or the left? I think I've seen him on both sides. I think he's played on the right a fair few times because we've had Kent, so... I mean, no less he's came off the bench, he's he's played there, but I think it was against Motherwell um, this season, I think it was. He played yeah. the right-hand side. He's, he got his goal. I think it was the first 90 minutes he played this season for us, and he looked pretty lively, you know, so he's, he's comfortable pretty much on either side. And that was a big thing. We're talking about him being at the... So at the end of his Rangers career, probably because of situations, but you talk about just before he broke that COVID protocol, he was actually in the Rangers team, and I think that was the day Rangers won 5-1, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so fun, yeah. part of a, a team that was like trashing someone and, you know, he's obviously was seen as someone by Gerard that could push further forward. So kind of unfortunate for him, but lucky for Sunderland. Yeah. Um, do you think it's fair to say that Jordan Jones' career at Rangers hasn't worked out due to, uh, I don't want to say attitude, but I will say attitude rather than talent? That's, that's a fair point, just because of what's happened, you know, with the challenge. Gerard's probably, you know, in two minds whether they can trust putting them into a game of that magnitude again. I mean, the fans were there that day, so maybe that had something to add to it. Now fans aren't there. You know, maybe he could have thrown them into, you know, some of their games. But I do, I do, you know, a wee bit wants me not to kind of have those attitude problems or people to see him as if he has attitude problems. But, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sure he's a good guy and they're changing him. I don't think he'd cause the manager too much asshole in that sort of terms. But, it's just, you know, maybe flying into a daft challenge like he did against Celtic or, you know, maybe attending a party. That would be, be maybe the only kind of big issues, which is huge at the moment, you know, in the world that we're living in. So, I mean, I, don't, I, I wouldn't have any issues the now. You know, I would give him a fresh start. I believe in setting chances. So, I mean, you never know. I don't, I don't think he'll, he'll go down there and mess up his, his chance, that's for sure. He seems really well liked on the flip side, talking about attitude and obviously in his... And a lot of the Rangers TV videos, you see him a lot of the time with Morelos. I think there was a particular yeah. video of him copying Morelos's. So within within the squad, he seems like a quite a well-liked bloke. That hasn't really, you're talking about attitude, but it doesn't seem that it's affected how his teammates view him at all, does it? No, absolutely not. I think they've, I don't, I don't know if maybe they had set my punishment to do it for what he'd done and, and embarrassed himself. But I mean, in the pictures, as you said, he's smiling. He's got a good relationship with Morelos, although I don't know if he can... Yeah, speak much English, Morelos, but uh, they seem to have a good bat banter with each other. So, I suppose just to kind of finish off, then you, you've sort of spoke about it already, but just to touch on uh, comments that Jordan Jones made, uh, I think yesterday, I read one comment from a, a Rangers fan that said Jordan Jones's time at Rangers was a waste in the sense that he had it all, but he wasted it. Um, Jones said yesterday that Gerard told him to get out enjoy his football, come back and see where where they're at. But do you think that if this 
if he comes to Sunderland, he plays well. This is the end of his Rangers career. He's playing for a contract at Sunderland as opposed to coming back to Rangers. Well, um, I mean, as I said, I'm into the, the setting chances, you know, giving people setting chances. So, I mean, if he goes down there, absolutely flying, he's clearly going to be a benefit to Rangers in the future. That's the way I'm looking at it. So, um, I think there's an opportunity that he could stay at Rangers, depending depending what happens. But and more likely, it's, it is going to be the end of his career because of what's happened. I think he's maybe, you know, hampered his relationship with the supporters because, he, as I said, you know the the season that we're in now, pretty much it was you have to win the league. <laughs> there was no two ways about it, really. Um, I suppose to summarise, like if you're a Sunderland fan and, and Jordan Jones has came in, but you you know what Jordan Jones is like as a player from what you'd seen, would you be excited about Jordan Jones signing for Sunderland? Yeah, I, I would be to be honest. Um, I mean, there's, there's lots of potential there. He's an international for for Northern Ireland. Um, so he's got the potential there to be a really good player. He's skillful. He'll, he'll give the opposition, you know, plenty to think about when they're, they're trying to pick him up or, or stop him for, you know, trying to get a chance created or, or take an opportunity. Awesome. Well, you've got to catch up twice in a week, mate, but um, hopefully Absolutely. it'll be for an actual pint rather, sooner rather than later, mate, but appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Uh, fingers crossed. Thanks for having us. Not a problem. Just before I let you go, Obviously, I'm on this occasionally, but where can we find your podcast that you feature on sometimes? How can we follow you if people are interested? Um, I think the, the tag's um, the same. It's uh, at This Is Ibrox, and there's loads of good uh, uh, previous podcasts for like Ronald De Boer, uh, Magic Vigera, uh, Lorenzo Amoroso. And we also done a kind of special um, podcast with Mendieta. Yes, I see. Um, and it was uh, Nights at Ibrox about the European, you know, teams that came. He played with Valencia, so he came to Ibrooks that night with Valencia and it was one of the best teams that, that I think uh, Scott said he had seen play yeah. at uh, Ibrooks. It's a good podcast, that actually. If you want to listen to just a genuine football podcast, it's a great idea, great podcast. And, of course, you've got me on that that podcast occasionally as well, which is Absolutely, obviously yeah. the best episodes. Um, but, again, as always, Willie, thanks for coming on, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.